Another Torta Derby to me Corona special after the cancellation of the Why Not Festival in 2020. So there'll be no Why Not Festival happening this year. You just heard a few of the uh, the bands that have, have starred there over the years. Um, the Cribs, Catfish and the Bottlemen and the Libertines uh, finishing with um, Beans on Toast. Beans on Toast has been at pretty much every Why Not Festival since it was tiny. Um, and or who better to get on really than, uh, than Beans on Toast. He's been on once before. So um, organised a little interview with him through his, uh, through his agent and um, he rang me up and he didn't actually realise it was me at first. Let's have a... <laughs> Let's have a listen to our phone conversation with uh, with Beans on Toast from uh, from last week. It was, yeah. I didn't realise I was talking to the same person. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Yeah, brilliant. How you doing, Blake? Yeah. Um. Uh. It was. It was the night of the uh, of the the results coming in for the election, wasn't it? They come in halfway through, so we always seem to be talking to each other in the midst of some sort of disaster. <laughs> Well, who else are you are you going to call during a crisis, Jay? Well, <laughs> I call the police first. To be honest, <laughs> how have you um, how have you been coping with with the lockdown in in general? Then, yeah, I mean, all right. Um, you know, just trying, you know, to stay kind of positive and, and creative. Really, um, you know, at the same time, understand that the world's you know a terrifying place and it's changing. I mean. I sort of flip between the sort of sadness and uh, I mean, if you take away, obviously I don't, I, I want to talk sort of openly about it, but I don't want to dismiss the fact that people are dying and, you know, the reality that's crunching the world. But on the flip side, as you know, as someone that's spent my whole life kind of bashing the system, you know, in the system, take such a, you know, a beating as it is currently, like it's, it was always going to take something huge for the for the system to kind of reshape itself and come out the other side i'm sort of you know pinning all my hopes that somehow we'll we'll come out the other side of this stronger than we went into it 
was quite ill actually like my my family also like we as soon as the gigs cancelled i've got a two-year-old daughter so as soon as the kind of gigs cancelled and you know it was the news was bubbling and it felt like it was going to happen we went into we kind of self-quarantined like a week before it was like you know mandatory and uh and, and soon after that my wife got a cough and so did I and and our daughter started running a, a super high temperature um and it was you know it was terrifying um was in a position where if you know in the old world we definitely would have been in a hospital certainly for my daughter um and we knew that the, you know we was told and we sort of knew that the best thing to do was was not to go there and ride it out at home um and you know we had like I said, these are mild symptoms but it was like that was kind of crushing and terrifying and almost coming through that and being on the other side and how everybody's sort of healthy and well. And we, as I say, we don't know whether it was it or whether it was the mind playing tricks, you know, but um, I've kind of been counting my blessings ever since because I feel like, you know, it could be so, so much worse um, that I've just been, you know, we, again, with a two-year-old daughter, I speak to my friends and and a lot of them are like, oh, my cupboards are really clean. I'm getting loads of housework done. Whereas like trying to, it's the opposite for me. Our house is like a tip because it's like my daughter's world has become so small um, and just, and constant, you know, normally there's like play groups and, you know, even the park, we can't even take it to the park. So it's like, it's all active in the house and it's just sort of like, but, you know, at the same time, she keeps you wonderfully entertained and, you know, like, there's, it's a full-time job in itself. So time is going super quickly um, as well. And, and I'm, you know, of course, I, I you know, I, I'm gutted about festivals and touring and whatnot. I'm, but also, you know, I know there's people in a lot worse position than me. And I have, you know, I've also been doing that my whole life. So I'm also not going to bitch and moan about spending some uh, some family time as well, which is probably needed. Yeah, I've kind of fashioned a, an expression that I've been saying to to my friends and, and and people at work when people are moaning about the little things. It's 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 pretty shit, isn't it? But it could be worse. We, uh, we could be on a ventilator. We could be on oxygen. We could sure, be on oxygen. yeah, of it could course. Be, yeah. Uh, it could be a lot, lot worse. And that's the reality for lots and lots of people. Now, it's easy to see the kind of death rates as when the, the kind of numbers come in and view them as numbers rather than, you know, individual people's stories, you know, tragic stories as, as, as that, you know. Um, so, yeah, definitely, you know, of course it could be worse. So you've written Strange Days that we uh, we heard at the start of the podcast. Um, is that kind of your way of, of coping with, with lockdown? That's that, That's how you cope with things you you write a song it was weird instinct really and it was like i've never kind of i wrote it just sort of without almost without thinking about it it was just like you know weirdly i was this was i was this these few months i was i was planning i'd kind of earmarked time to write the new album anyway so i was kind of my head had songwriting hat on and uh it all just started going on it was like you know it was all i could think about and so when I sat down to write a song, it was it was all I ended up writing about. And then it was like I'd written it, and it was like record this sort of need to record it and release it really, really quickly. And it kind of made me question why I do what I do more than before. I've always written about current events, but it was like before I put it out, I was like, what exactly am I trying to sort of gain here? Why am I? Do- why do- Why is my reaction to this to write a song and then to kind of 
not to force it onto the world, but at least to, you know, put it out in the place where if anybody wanted to listen to it, they could. And, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, I think with songwriting, especially with subjects like this, it's a part of the a process of me understanding how I feel about it is by writing it in song, basically. And uh, so as I'm kind of going through sort of muddling out the thoughts and maybe releasing it is in the hope that it can help other people understand it. But I don't know. I've never put myself under the microscope as I did when I was like, why, why was this my initial re reaction to a pandemic was write a song and put it out. Um, but it was. Um, and, and, and in all fairness, um, I've got more songs about it already. And there's more coming. Yeah. And you famously do an album every single year. Um, this year, it normally comes out at Christmas. This year, will it be heavily locked down slash Corona influenced by by the months and months we're going to have, have spent indoors? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd written, my plan was to, I was halfway through writing the the new the album that was planning to be December and it was it was coming out on my 40, 40th birthday this year. So it was uh, kind of, and the album was loosely going to be of a kind of autobiographical nature, talking about growing up. And it was all like a kind of nostalgic album about my own personal history. And I was sort of halfway through writing that and then it went down. And I've not been able to tune into that kind of whimsical view of the past in songs since. I've just been writing about what's happening today and the kind of concerns and obstacles that we now face moving forward and so if anything i think there's probably going to be two albums at the end of the year one that was written bc before corona and one that was written afterwards is probably what is coming to be honest i know you love life on the road as well um a tour every year to go with your album and um you had another uk tour and, and european tour booked quite recently exactly are you missing life on the road yeah, I've just sort of, we just re I was supposed to be in um, mainland Europe next month, but we've just announced the rescheduled dates, which will be March next year. So, and it still feels a little like putting tours on, you know, announcing tours and expecting people to buy tickets feels a little bit, um, I don't know the word, not brave, but maybe idiotic. Um, but yeah, you know, I think once we come at the other side of this, there's going to be a huge battle to save culture, basically. And that's going to be from the venue side, from the festival side, from the artist side. We're going to have to, I say about society needing a shake-up, you know, the music business as a whole is going to get a big shake-up as well, you know, from promoters and bar staff to bands, everyone, you know, people have got to come out of this and hit the ground running, basically. So I don't know what touring will look like as soon as we get the thumbs up. But I know that I will be there <laughs> for sure. I kind of would see it as something to look forward to more than more than anything with, you know, if you bought a ticket now, it's kind of a light yeah. at the end of the tunnel kind of thing, isn't it? Hold on to Yeah. Yeah, fair dues, yeah. It's just that if, if for whatever reason you then have to push it back again, that's like incredible amount of, amount of work like but, but not not for me not for me at all for adam my my booking agent and the people that work at the venues but it's quite a weird thing because booking and routing the tour is you know it's, it's a whole huge job of in itself a job to it. and then rescheduling a tour is double the work 
for no money, <laughs> basically. So it's uh, all the tours that are getting rescheduled at the moment. You know, there's a, a lot of big high fives that need to uh, that need to go out to the booking agents and the promoters of the world because they're they're just doing it because well because they have to. No one's kind of going to get paid for that. And again, that's going to add into this fight for culture that you know that is going to have to have to happen in order to save well certainly music but you know i guess across the arts yeah and shout out to to brett james at the uh, the venue as well. yeah of course yeah he'll probably be uh, be listening i kind of started doing this podcast as uh, a way when it was all new and a bit weird of letting people know what in derby was changing and how people could adapt and diversify and it's just become my way of coping. It's something to do for me in a bit of a selfish way. It's what I do. It's kind of my art. So it's, yeah, a pretty selfish thing, really, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, I don't know if this is also a free podcast or if people have to pay a pound to listen to it as well. It's, there's also, because, again, with the arts as well, you know, I was talking to a photographer yesterday who's looking at like uh, turning his photos into jigsaw puzzles and stuff like that. And it's like new ideas from the arts coming forward. So that, and yeah, and I don't think anybody minds if, you know, if you're asking for, you know, for money for your arts as well, which is another way that can, can push it through to get it to the other side. I mean, like, you know, I, the, earning money from songs is from, from sort of one song is like a bit old-fashioned it doesn't really happen that much anymore but you know at the same time um th- that's not what drove me to write a song but you know it, it obviously takes a part of it as well yeah. yeah people creating content out there podcasts be it music um videos things that are out there they've really come into their own haven't they like with everyone being stuck at home I when when it all started when it was like um, it was sort of posed as an idea that we might all have to be in lockdown. I was my I had a real worry that I was like, you know, most of the problems in the world before all this went down were kind of caused by people spending too much time online, be it like polarized politics or depression or this that, and the other. And it felt like social media and just sort of like the internet as a whole was probably doing more harm than good but it's i feel like and i was like if everybody's got to go home and literally sit online all day they're going to drive themselves absolutely nuts but it feels like it's been the opposite actually it feels like um social media has, has like been such a lovely place and um and it and it's sort of found footing and all the kind of people streaming you know i get up every morning and do the joe wicks pe workout and stuff like that and it's about like, six uh, weeks ago you didn't think you'd be uh getting up at nine o'clock in the morning to to do pee with joe <laughs> wicks did you i didn't even know who he was you know like i was uh, it just it, to me it feels like jane fonda in the 80s or something you know but um it's i was just really surprised with how um social media's kind of changed changed face throughout it all basically i thought it was uh um yeah, I pictured it being more evil than ever. And obviously there is obviously some a lot of nonsense news out there. But um but yeah, I've you know, that's so still can still be surprised. <laughs> well speaking of, of Jane Fonda in the eighties, um Mr. Motivator, another T V fitness guru is uh, is at Why Not every <laughs> single year. He is. 
I've seen him at a few festivals over the years. Channel. Yeah, and he's a, he's a staple of Why Not, much like yourself. Um, you, you get up slightly worse for wear on a Saturday morning, half past ten, stand in the field and dance about with Mr Motivator for a bit. I've been to Why Not many times. That's never been a staple of mine, I'm happy to say. <laughs> but Joe Wicks was there then, now we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we joke about about why not, but obviously it's been cancelled for for twenty twenty. That it's two in three years now that have been quite badly affected. Why not? Uh, just hope they can they can kind of pull through this. Yeah, it is. I mean, and it's uh, hopefully like many festivals, they can just you know uh, they're in a position where they can duck out for a year and come back swinging next year. I mean, I can't even pretend to know the ins and outs that that happen you know behind the scenes at festivals but i know that you know they're they're quite hand to mouth as a kind of business model any anyway i think we all knew that before this you know with festivals kind of you know sort of dropping off of the yearly calendar that um you know even huge events like festival and stuff you know not running anymore and uh so yeah, why not? I mean, I tried to do some research as to exactly how many times I'd, I've been there before I called. And uh, I think my la- my first year at Why Not was 2008. And um, and I've played not all, but most years since since then. I've got it down that it would have been your 10th. Yeah, you, this year would have been your 10th. Right, okay. As in this year would have been the 10th. Oh man, that would have been. That's it. I would have. I knew that it was around there. So if it was ten up by the, that weekend, I would have made sure I had that right. So I could have done my ten year. Why not at birthday? But uh, I guess that'll have to be next year. So it would have been why not and your fortieth birthday this year. Tenth time at why not and your fortieth birthday. Yeah, could have got. Could have got. We could have got some fireworks. What are your kind of favourite memories then? So why not? He probably probably climbing up to the top of that giant tent where we was playing on the we was doing the Thursday in the quarry, and uh, much to my surprise, halfway through the, the gig, I realised that there was a, a, a what to me looked like a ladder going to the uh, to the top of the of the tent. I found out later that it was you know infrastructure keeping the tent up, and it definitely wasn't there to be climbed. But part of my uh, uh, part of my sort of tech rider is I ask for a particularly long mic lead because well I like to get in the crowd and in amongst it. But uh, so I just started climbing the ladder, you know, a bit half cut and and singing the song, and uh, and and you, I didn't want to be that guy that stopped halfway up the ladder. So uh, I just went for it and I went all the way without really got to the top and I turned around and I shat myself, basically. It was so high. It was so high. And obviously everyone was loving it and cheering it and stuff. And I just like finished off the verse of the song and uh, and then kind of meekly climbed down. Like I think every there was it was a, when, when I looked at the crowd, there was a few people, a few like sober faces in the crowd, a look of genuine concern. Which is <laughs> which is never great. <laughs> you know, you want to look at a crowd like people are enjoying themselves rather than like he's gonna die look. 
Uh, so I sort of meekly climbed down. And the minute that I walked off stage, all of the crew came on with like barricades, basically, and they just like covered up the whole thing and trapped around. And no one actually sort of had had words, if you know what I mean. And I think that's because my sort of reasoning was there was a ladder in the middle of the stage. You know, what singer wouldn't climb a ladder? Which is is more the, is more the question. Uh, so that that will that was that that looking down at that crowd from the top of that ladder will stay with me uh, for the rest of my life. And 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 I've I've never climbed that high since. I've climbed I've climbed some other stuff, but I'm always like I know my limit now because of why not basically. And I can remember um, my first time seeing you at Why Not, and it was. Um, I, I'll be honest, I didn't really know who you were at the time and just got told, you got to go and see this this bloke, Beans on Toast, who's in the quarry tent. It was like Saturday afternoon and I went along again a little bit, festivaled up sure. and um, just loved it. And I remember the the song um, MDMA, amazing. The first time I'd ever heard it was live and everyone knew the words and it was just a real moment that I've, I've remembered ever yeah. since. And I've been <laughs> a big fan ever since. Great. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's always been my most popular song and there's, there's definitely an element of preaching to the converted when you're singing about getting hammered at festivals to a bunch of hammered people at a festival uh, <laughs> it kind of it ticks a lot of boxes I met a pretty girl at a festival with a bag of MDMA well, we both took a great big dab and went to greet the day. Now I warn you, this shit tastes foul when you put it in your gob. But try to swallow all of it, it'll knock your fucking socks off. So the two of us were wired and the festival's in flow. We wandered round and watched some bands smiling as we go. As the day turns into nighttime, a fire's being lit. We dance to an unknown DJ and sneak a little kiss. Well, being drunk can make a girl seem prettier than she is. I'm not the only one who's made mistakes when I was pissed. And trying to work out right from wrong on ecstasy is tough. But it's MTM amazing. And I feel like I'm in love. <laughs> 